right, welcome to another episode of Idiopod with TJ Stone and Destiny Love. And today we're going to be talking about valuing ourselves. Whoa. That already sounds loaded, like loaded, loaded, loaded. We're loaded for bear today, Destiny. What do you think about right now in this season when you think about valuing yourself? My goodness, TJ, I I believe that I am being taught a lesson of my life, okay? A lesson of my life. So I am full-time entrepreneur. Um, I have a small private practice. You already know this, right? And I believe a lot of the work that we do every single day is healing and growing and transforming into our best selves. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that. But maybe somewhere along the way, we, I did not recognize how much more valuable maybe I had become. Um, which even feels hard to say out loud. Of course, you know, we have all of our stuff around humility and pride, right? Um, so yes, I'm in, I'm at the season where I feel like I was being undervalued and I was allowing it. And it's been this beautiful maturing process, maybe for me to just grow up, open my eyes, um, set boundaries. So that I do not allow other people to other to undervalue undervalue me and my services. So of course, if anybody is an entrepreneur, a small business owner, you already know the things that come along with setting your price, right? You set your price. Somebody wants to pay it. Some people pay it gladly and more, which has pretty much been my experience. Even like when I worked full-time jobs, I may say, I want this salary, TJ, and they would pay me more than what I even asked for. But I have been in this business negotiation here recently where I shared my rate and they wanted to quote unquote lowball me. And I heard that. I don't think I was supposed to hear that, by the way. But they wanted to lowball me and I accepted it for a very, very long time. And now it's kind of like my eyes are being opened. Like, hold on. You want a million dollar service for like a hundred bucks? What? <laughs> so yeah, I feel like I have I have had to really um set set a boundary of what I will allow what I will accept and for me it's been really important that I do that in a way that continues to honor God you know because you can get all whatever and um become angry or resentful or bitter but in actuality it is really our responsibilities to set our boundaries and to enforce them and to require that from the, you know, the systems, the organizations, the people around us. So um, that's where I am. That's where I am. I feel really good about that today. I really hope it sticks. I hope so. (laughs) 
sticks in your brain or just sticks in practice? <laughs> Mostly in practice. Mostly in practice, right? It's easy to say it. It's easy. I think it's easy to know it. But then here comes the test. Mm -hmm. There will be a test, right? So um, that's hard when you're in a helping profession and the things you're being asked to do are things that, you know, your natural desire is to want to do anyway. That, and, and you're, you're that, sort of yes. wired to help people. You want that's that's your that's your MO. That's who you are as a person. You would do it for free, but you can't. Yes. You can't do it for free. <laughs> and TJ, most of my life, it was destiny. What would you do for free? You know, so now I literally wake up and do things that I absolutely love that are so life-giving that I would do for free. And I literally have to remind myself, destiny, you have to get paid for this thing. Yeah, and not underpaid. Yeah, and not and not underpaid. So yeah. I need to start asking myself a different question. Not what would you do for free? Why was I even doing that? Yeah, that that seems like that question will always lead to undervalue. Hello. But I was I wanted to know what I was really passionate about. Um, what were my areas of gifting? Um, what came naturally because I am all about enjoying life like every day. I'm curious what, what now that you've realized that that's kind of a limiting question, maybe more than a limiting belief, but I guess it leads to limiting beliefs. What, how would you reframe that? What would be a help more helpful question for you right now in this season to ask yourself as it relates to work and the work you want to do? Hmm. Um, it's, it would be something around value. Like what type of value do I add to a situation? What value does this service that I provide, what does it, what does it add? And I think if I begin to just look at it like that, it, it's so obvious to me when I ask that question, right? If I, if I'm going to provide a service and I can see the value, which I typically can, it is easier to um, stand in the in the rate that I charge. Yeah. What are you seeing in your life around this value thing? since we're valuing ourselves. Yeah. Well, uh, in the last week or two, I've had a lot of self-revelations as I've, I've intentionally made a lot of time to kind of meditate and be with God. And for whatever reason, this is kind of one of the major paths that has kind of been continuing to lead me down uh, the last week or so. And yeah. I think one of the biggest limiting beliefs I was stepping into and was limiting myself. I was literally putting myself in a box with a, a cap and a glass ceiling that yes. I made for myself. And that limiting belief was because I don't have a PhD like my wife does, 
that I will never be able to make as much income as she does. Right. It's because people will not value me because I haven't gone through the process she has to be able to, you know, earn that much in the system that she has, you know, lent herself to in academia right. and, and the medical field. And, you know, I went to six years of post, you know, post high school work and went into fields that typically underpay <laughs> because you know, education, that's a helping field. That's yes. Teachers are always undervalued, underpaid. I'm now in nonprofit world. That in many ways is even worse. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Nonprofit is literally like not making profit. You do good to make (laughs) your bills. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I was challenged like, why, why are you believing that? Just because, because I, I can point to people I know that I don't think are any smarter than me or that are able to work any harder than me that are making, you know, six-figure salaries. Right. And why, why am I putting that limitation on myself? Heck, when I was, when I was uh, an assistant store manager at Walmart, I was... <laughs> before being unceremoniously fired, which is a whole nother, the only job I've ever been fired from is Walmart. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was on the trajectory to be a store manager and make six figures within, you know, five to 10 years, which right. I would have been doing now if I'd have stayed on that path. But God actually had different plans for me. So he had to orchestrate things to make that not a possibility because I totally was sitting in the comfort of, the money I could make if I just right. continued to do the work I was also killing myself because I was sometimes working 24 hours straight and then falling asleep eating. Whoa. <laughs> so it's not a healthy lifestyle. And God thankfully saved me from that by redirecting my path. Because in TJ world, I would have totally said, Oh, I see the I see the carrot that keeps getting dangled. Yeah. Oh. I can make a little more money in three years if I get this promotion. If I become a store manager of a metro store, I could possibly make six figures. I get, Absolutely. And I'm getting in good with the with the regional management team. I mean, they placed me in the store I wanted to be in, uh, where the store manager hated me. And <laughs> first opportunity, you know, to to get out. You know, I made. I made some mistakes in being young and not realizing some things and, uh-huh. you know, trusting people I should trust lots of, lots of things. I can, I can look back retrospectively and realize, you know, I was a 27 year old kid that was having the carrot dangled and, you know, didn't know what I didn't know. And right. I, I can, I can have, I can have compassion for everybody that's in that system, even the store manager that didn't like me and fired me. Um, you know, it is what it is now. Um, I wouldn't be here. I probably would have never met my wife because I never would have <laughs> not been working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's lots of things I have compassion for. But, I mean, I've, I've either been living in a ultra scarcity mindset trying to better myself or i've been living in the box of this is just what it is and this is Mm -hmm. what i can make and i just gotta make ends meet 
And some of that was passed down from my parents because they were always check to check. You know, we never had a whole lot of savings. We never went on vacations. From the Mm -hmm. time I was 10, I was making my own money. I wasn't even getting an allowance, you know. And when I did get an allowance, it was $2 a week. Oh, wow. And when we go to Burger King or somewhere, you know, I'd, I'd get, I'd get $2, two, two bucks to spend. And we'd work off the value. Maybe. You know, it was, it was, you can get a water and fries and a burger right. or you can get a burger and a drink. It's up to you, you know, from early on ha- having to make those decisions. You know, there was always money was a thing we didn't have a lot of, and you had to really yes. save to do anything. And you had to really make wise decisions about how to use it and that that was that was something that helped me in a lot of ways because you know I was able to be frugal I was able to make a dollar go further in a lot of ways yes and helpful um especially when my wife and I were both working through grad school in our early relationship and she wasn't able to make a lot of money there were there were times in our relationships where I was the main breadwinner uh-huh but I always thought it'd just be early on until she earned her degree. But I realize that that's a limiting belief. That's a box I have yeah. put on myself that has made me step into situations where I'm already undervaluing myself. Yeah. And I've stepped into the job that I've stepped into. Just, uh, I mean, it, it's been a blessing for the season that it's been, because even though it hasn't paid a lot of money, you know, it, it, it went hand in hand with our fostering journey. Yeah. Uh, adopting our first daughter. I mean, it allowed me to work from home and make my own hours for the most part for the first time in my life. I've never had a job where I didn't have to go somewhere and just mm-hmm. work somebody else's hours. They tell me to work and a lot of times longer <laughs> till the job's done. Right. And, you know, the freedom it's given us to build that relationship and be able to do that, which we felt called to do, uh, was great. And now I feel like a new season's coming. We're on the precipice of doing a major statewide disaster relief project that's going to require multiple jobs and another director job. That's essentially what I've already been doing. This is going to require more time and work. And should get more pay, I think. What do you, let me ask you this. Of course, we have conversations around our faith. And how do you see that playing a role in this whole value um, conversation? Because I know I've seen a lot of themes. I'm just working with individuals. Um around value, humility, pride. What do you what do you see? Do you see any relationship or maybe with the church, religion? To how we value people or how I personally value myself as it relates. How you personally value yourself. Hmm. I think I've always been someone who puts others first. And that naturally has a limiting self-worth related to it because it's like can't put self and some of that was just 
the toxic religion that was handed to me as a kid too right it's like right self can't be above others or else you're not you know doing it right you know you gotta have exactly. low low vision of self which i don't think is what jesus was saying at all right i think, I think there's a i think it's not good to to feed your ego and i've definitely had to do that in the past to overcorrect for having a low you know self-esteem right but i've also went far the other way to where i was so super overconfident more confident than i had any right to be and then was kind of a jerk not not intending to be because i hadn't earned the the self-esteem that i had and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when i first was really getting into the music industry i know i i did not create some some of the relationships that I needed to because of the way I approached them. I approached everybody from a transactional, what can I get out of you to get another rung up the ladder kind of mentality. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And the music industry is full of people to do that. And the entertainment industry in, in general is full of these, you know, these seeking, they see you as a commodity that can help them get further along in their career. It's not even relationships, it's business transactions, it's little micro business transactions that that add up on. That's why everybody used to have a business card. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, that was for the longest time that was called the Nashville handshake and the singer-songwriter community is the, you know, let me give you my card. Yeah. Okay. That was a, a transaction capital there. Everybody had to have a card. You, you had to you know, be associated with some organization, uh, anything that made you seem more legitimate, like you were worth people's time, you had to manufacture this on the front end because nobody, nobody has these things, you know, going in. So I had to basically create this, this false image of myself. This is where TJ Stone was birthed. You know, uh -huh. I, grew, I grew up as Josh Stone from Wahala, South Carolina, you know, I was one of six Joshes in my graduating class. Somewhere about the second year of high school, and I said, I'm not going to be just the sixth Josh anymore. I'm going to be who I'm going to craft myself to be. And I kind of uh -huh. overcorrected. And that's mm -hmm. when I started going by TJ. TJ Stone was the singer songwriter that was destined for, you know, fame and fortune, mm -hmm. all the things. And then on the back end, it was to, not because I just wanted all those things. It was because I wanted a platform to be able to help people and lead people to God. Absolutely. Through a secular lens. Because I didn't grow up loving Christian music. I grew up loving country music and rock music. And I wanted to make that kind of music and put good messages in them that would kind yes. of make, sow seeds and make people kind of look to God when they weren't looking to look to God kind of thing. Right. But there was good intentionality in it. But, and, but when you get into the business of it, and it's not just about oh, making good music, then you have to craft this persona. You become a person that you aren't. Right. I was becoming a person. I was writing for a little publishing company. I wasn't making hardly any money, but I was associated with an organization. I had a key to the place. I could write in an office where there's a studio. I could I could get demos made for free if my song blogger thought he could pitch them to somebody. You know, I was 
I had like the, the low level of all the things I needed to make connections. I was starting to write with hit songwriters. Um, it, it was very much like the mafia. It was like, you, yes. have, you have to put on this space. You have to wear this, this costume almost to be in this guy. And what I realized was not only was I becoming a guy that I didn't like, I was starting to have anxiety and all this. Yes. Stuff. But the music I was making, I didn't like anymore because it wasn't what brought me to the dance that made me love music because I was starting to write what the song plugger thought he could get cut, which was what he thought sounded like what was on the radio. Only problem is I worked myself into a corner because the people cutting the songs don't want what already sounds like it's on the radio because that's already on the radio. They want to think a step ahead. But none of the people pitching the songs can think a step ahead. So it's like, no matter what I make, it was either too ahead of the curve or too behind the curve. And it just, it was, we're just cranking it out to crank it out and not getting mm-hmm. a lot of success with it, working myself into a corner. And I started hating music and hating making music. And oh, hating wow. the person that I was making music. So I just walked away from all of it and said, I'm just going to go be a teacher. <laughs> And you know what's so interesting? I asked you about like you you sh- you're sharing this even in the same breath of mentioning toxic religion. Yeah. Yeah, I probably jumped a lot of stones there. <laughs> what you get out of that? <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I just I just wonder I just see some relationship. You know, I just see some relationship and and all of that. And yeah, I think it's interesting. Well, what I found was I had to totally disengage from the entire music industry and have a little death to myself where TJ Stone, the singer, songwriter, musician who had to make it before he was 30 or he was a total failure that guy had to die because mm-hmm. uh, I, and I, I spent thousands of dollars. I, I took out more student loans than I needed to, to put together money for a publicist to make the right. last, last ditch effort, good demo, put together a, um, a showcase for labels and bigger publishers downtown. And all the things. Big, all all the things. things. I did all the things only to realize that, you know, I had a few talks with people after that but nothing materialized and then I was just out like 10 more thousand dollars <laughs> so I was just going into debt trying to make a thing happen on my timeline the way I thought it was supposed to happen and it just right. wasn't and I just had to accept that and accept that and really it took me to my wife because she saw things in me that I never saw. I thought I had no value if I wasn't the singer-songwriter guy who had oh, wow. some, some level you. of success. Because that was that was what got me out of Wahala. That was, you know, I would have been working a low-paying, nothing job, not going anywhere if it hadn't have been for the dream of the music, right? That's what got so me. Let me, let me ask you this. That's interesting. So you thought your value was in that. And if you didn't have that, you weren't valuable. Now, what do you see now as it relates to your value? 
I feel like I have a more objective view of things now, but it's only come with walking down this journey longer and realizing that all the good things that have come into my life and out of my life have not been from the efforts and the plans that I make. They were from these divine appointments. They were from moments and forts in the road where God literally turned me 180. I know. And it was through those turns that the drastic changes have made in my life and and when the spiritual journey really started. And I really started to dig into deep, okay, who am I if I'm not TJ Stone, the singer-songwriter? And I can't get myself to write a song anymore because I, I learned so much about the craft of writing songs. I forgot about the heart to put into writing right. songs. And I didn't have the desire to do it. I had to walk away from that. For two years, I didn't write a song. Right. And I was writing so a song every week for a while. It definitely, I love how you shared the turning. It's those pivotal moments. Because I definitely feel like I'm in one yeah. of those shifting seasons the turning point like after this experience you know I will not be the same again yeah I I feel similarly I feel like I'm in the closing of a chapter and I'm starting to reframe looking forward to what the next chapter is going to be but I also feel an invitation to help write what that chapter is for the first yes We get to co-create, don't we? Yeah. That's so beautiful. Because I was one one extreme or the other. Before I started really with the spiritual journey, I was like, I have to make things happen. Nobody's going to hand me anything. I got to make it happen. It has to look like this. Yes. And then the opposite of that, once I kind of let that die and realize that's not how it works. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be open-handed to everything. And just yeah. let, let God just do what he's going to do. Why even try anything? And I realized it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's like, yes, it is. That's the sweet spot that I'm starting to realize I need to engage in is yes, be open, but that doesn't mean don't be planful. Don't, don't have some kind of idea. Yeah, my life needs to look like because there's some boundaries. Boundaries, yes. Boundaries, making reasonable decisions, but not being tied to anything. If it needs to shift, go with the shift. But I still need to keep walking a certain direction, and the direction that makes the most sense is to keep keep on this nonprofit path. Figure out what the spiritual direction on the other end of this class yeah. is going to look like figuring out how some some ways to, to do that because those are life-giving things and those are opportunities that were dropped in my lap and for a reason yeah and I love that I love how God is just so gracious in that we don't have to do all this toiling and stressing and trying to figure it out yes it's it's freedom and trying to figure it out it's permission. Right. Uh, and it's validation. It's validation that, yes, I'm in this moment, in this season in my life with the resources God has given me, the relationships he's put in my life. They're all there for a reason. 
what I'm finding is relationships kind of come and go seasonally based on what we're charged to do for the season Absolutely. too. Absolutely. You know, I think you and I connecting is, is for a reason in this season. I think what we're doing right now uh, somehow is going to affect the kingdom. And it is, it already is. So I want to ask this question just in closing with this new understanding or newfound revelation, clarity of your value, what, what do you see will be different moving forward? I definitely think I will think twice before actively making decisions that's going to undervalue my time, my effort, my resources, what I bring to the table. I'm starting to realize I bring more to the table than I want to validate myself for. Just because I don't have a traditional looking resume, no matter what field I go into, right? I've done a lot of things, but I've not done any one of those things for like 10 years, like a lot of people, the, the traditional way. And I feel like these things are changing because this generation's just kind of becoming more transient that way. You know, we do things yeah. for a little while, we glean what we can get out of it, and then we take what we learned there and try a new thing. Which I mean, actually, I, and I would say it makes, you know, it makes you more valuable in a sense. I know. 20, 50 years ago, staying in one job, you know, may have, that have been, would have been smiled upon as, oh, that's more valuable. But I definitely see things different now. Yeah. Well, I think the world has just changed so much and it's making that not as possible to to stay in a job. I mean, even if you want to, the the job's going to change or go away or it's going to price exactly. you out to where you can't afford to stay in a certain job, you know. But, so to, but I, I like what you were saying. Now you said you're not going to intentionally be in a space where you're being undervalued. Is that what you said? Yeah. And I think I'm going to be more intentional about um, just resting in the skills that I have and the experience that I have and not trying to put a price, any specific price tag on who I am as a person because of either my education or what my specific experiences have been. Because I've been on the other side. I've hired a lot of people for different organizations yeah. and I know what it's like to be on the other side. And, and, and a necessary part of it is you're quantifying what is this person on this paper and that I'm talking to in this interview? How do I quantify their worth with a dollar amount? And that's a tough spot to be in because that on the other side of that, I have to, I have to settle for feeling like, okay, I can be quantified with X dollar amount and be okay with it. And, and what I'm starting to be invited into is realizing no matter what I say yes to, for a job i am not my job period period and you know everything i do is ministry 
And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm never going to step in to a position where I'm valued hundred percent at what I'm worth, but it's possible. You know, I am worth more than what anybody has paid me up to this point for sure. Absolutely. Uh, And that's that's okay because I'm starting to know what my real worth but you've also but you've also know where you have felt like you're being compensated for what you're providing versus no I'm definitely being undercompensated. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there there's going to be that discernment going forward to where yeah. I'm not just turning a blind eye to no, I'm not going to do the job of someone who's paid twice as much as me without getting compensated reasonably for it, right? Absolutely. And I think that that's a huge takeaway for me, that destiny, even though you would do it for free, because gratefully, I'm so grateful to God that I get to do what I love every day. Even though you would do it for free, that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to sit with that for a little bit. That's going to be a little bit of my homework and really asking um, God just to make that real for me, just to open that up, make it plain. Give me the insight, the revelation, the wisdom that I need to move forward with that every day um, and not to go into relationship with those who cannot see my value. Yeah. And I think the permission I feel is it's okay to advocate for myself if I feel like I'm not being valued reasonably for what I'm yeah. doing. And I just I just did and I think it went well and you know we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I will to do, I will today as well. Um, but I'm also prepared to walk away from it, which is I know that's an area of growth for me. Because you know I, I like I like to hold on to things and I do too. whether it be people, we are definitely similar in that respect. So the fact that I can say no is it feels so good it is an inner peace it feels definitely like freedom um because i don't need it when maybe in some other seasons i felt like i needed it for some reason yeah so i'm excited i can't wait to see what like what comes from this we're gonna have to do like an update <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I i feel encouraged about what the next season is going to look like for, for both Me of too. us and uh you know, we'll, we'll see what what god's got in store but i i think as he grows us and continues to show us a little bit more of of our worth to us that it's going to affect how we we continue to walk this journey and show up and, and advocate and and draw those boundaries and be able to yeah. say no to what we don't need to say yes to Hello. Looking forward to it. Me too. Well, this has been another episode of Video Pod. Rate, review, subscribe on all the platforms. Until then, we'll see you next time. Next time.